Well, hey there, everyone. I'm Daniel Hahn, and I'm the online campus pastor here at Oxford Assembly of God Church, and this is our podcast. And I just want to thank you for listening today. We hope the message you're about to hear inspires you, builds your faith, and helps you see that God has a purpose for your life. And now, let's get into the message. Today, we celebrate those veterans, those who are serving or have served so faithfully. And again, thank you. And as we've been studying our Old Testament prophets, I asked myself the question, who was a prophet but also a soldier? I immediately thought of David, although we don't think about him as a prophet, but he certainly was because he wrote numerous psalms and he proclaimed truth, but he was the king and he was also a great soldier. He led his people with greatness. He was a champion. And that's what a soldier is, they're champions. Say, a champion somebody wins. No, a champion is someone who fights for a cause. Fights for a cause. So David would have fit that bill. But then I thought of someone else who actually was known as a judge. See, before we had the office of prophets, they were judges. And to our knowledge, they were involved in only one battle. One battle, it was a major battle, one military conflict, but there were several unique qualities of this individual, but the most obvious is that this individual was not a he, but a she. She was a prophetess, one of three singled out in the Old Testament. Miriam, that was Moses' sister, she was a prophetess. Isaiah's wife, we don't even know her name, was prophetess. And then Deborah, the soldier prophetess. I want to look at her life a little bit. See, the female uh, prophetess is basically the female counterpart of a prophet. But the word translated prophetess literally means endowed with a song. Endowed with a song, and both Miriam and Deborah had a song that they sang and listed in the scriptures, Miriam's song and Deborah's song. And we'll look at Deborah's song shortly, but I want to look at Deborah. And I want to look at some lessons from her life that can be a blessing to us today. So go with me to the book of Judges, chapter 4, and I... Just like I've been doing, there's no way that I can cover the entire text. So I'd encourage you to read it when you have time. Although this one's only a couple of chapters long. But Judges chapter 4, begin reading verse 1. And uh, I stumble over these names. And if you think you'd do better, come on up and I'll let you read them. (laughs) And the people of Israel again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord after Ehud died. And the Lord sold them into the hand of Jabin, king of Canaan, who reigned in Hazar. The commander of his army was Sisera, who lived in Hersheth Hegem. Then the prophet of Israel cried out to the Lord for help. For he had 900 chariots of iron, and he oppressed the people of Israel cruelly for 20 years. So I want you to get this picture. They once again had messed up. How many knows that people have a a propensity to mess up. And we, we just mess up. We get going good, but then we forget what God has done for us, and we begin to mess up. This happened 
They had been a period of peace, but all of a sudden now they were in bondage for 20 years and they were getting tired of it. And guess what people do when they get tired of their problems? They begin to call out to God. Now to start with, they just complain. Let me tell you something. If you haven't found this out, complaining doesn't help. Prayer helps, but complaining doesn't. And so they begin to cry out to God, and they found out that Israel cried to the Lord, for he had 900 chariots of iron. 900 chariots of iron. Now, this is, this is point one. When we read that chariots, we read it quickly, and we think, well, big deal. What's a, what's a chariot? Now, if they said they had 900 aircraft carrier, we could understand that. But 900 chariots. But the point I want to point out to you, first of all, is that many times our problems or the problems of other people are a lot bigger than we think they are. Anthony Bruton was one of my kids that I coached a number of years ago. And he and Robbie, I talked them into doing the decathlon. That's 10 events. And Ant Bruton was an awesome athlete. And one of the 10 events, though, is you have to run the mile. And I said, Anthony, you can run the mile. And after it's over, I'll never forget what Anthony told me. He said, Coach, you told me I could run the mile. But it wasn't a mile. It was a mile. (laughs) Sometimes our problems are like that. We think of insignificant, and we think of, well, you know, they had 900 chariots, so what? How many of you remember the story of when they came out of, the prom- out of Egypt into the promised land, or when they left Egypt, rather, not into the promised land, that was 40 years later, but when they left Egypt, do you remember that? Well, let's read there in, in uh, chapter 14 of Exodus and verse 6 and 7, verse 6 and 7, where it says, So he made ready his chariot. This is talking about Pharaoh. And he took his army with him and took 600 chosen chariots and all the other chariots of Israel with officers and all of them. He had 600 chosen. I didn't think much about the 900. That's a third again, more than talked about the nation of Egypt having. So we're talking about a significant battle. We're talking about a significant group of people. So Sisera had these 900. Again, that's a third more chariots than the Egyptian army. So what's the big deal? As I read that, I realized something. None of us know the size of the battle that someone is having to fight. None of us knows the size of the battle that you may have to fight. We look at it and it may seem insignificant. We can read over it in a hurry and we think, well, there's nothing to it. But we realize that suicide is an all-time high. What's happening? That tells me that some people have got some problems bigger than we think they are. They're fighting an enemy that may be very difficult. Some of you that are here today, some of you watching online, you realize and know that you've got a battle 
that nobody else realizes how big it is. Oh, you make light of it. You say, well, I'm going to make it. But all of a sudden, you're in, your, in yourself, you're looking at these things. They got 900 chariots of iron. There's an enemy there that's bigger than I am. I, what can I do? Now, we say, well, it's not really a battle. No, we're not talking about fighting a war. It may be a family situation. It may be a wayward child, a rebellious grandchild. Maybe a medical issue. Or it could be some kind of bondage that you're in that nobody knows about. But to you, to you, it's a major, major issue. Someone asked the difference between, what's the difference between a major surgery and a minor surgery? A major surgery if it's on you. <laughs> a minor surgery if it's on someone else. So we have these issues. We have these problems. And Deborah looked at it. You say, well, how do you know Deborah? Because she was the only prophet that we had. She was the one, and she looked at it and said, the prophet cried out to God and said, God, we need some help. Because the enemy is out there. Now let's go back to Judges and begin reading at, chapter, at verse 4. Now Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lephodoth, was judging Israel at that time. Now I think most of you are aware of this. But at this time in history, I mean, now we have a woman vice president. We have women involved in everything. But at this time in history, it was rare. It was very, very rare for a woman to have a place of responsibility. Now, how did she get there? It was not because she was wealthy. It was not because she had a great name. We don't know anything about her family. All we know is that she had risen to prominence. She had risen to leadership. Not because somebody put her in position, but because she was there. And she used to sit under the palm of Deborah. They had a, a palm tree there. That, that they named it, that's Palm of Deborah. If you have a problem, what do you do? Take it to Deborah. Take it to the judge between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim. And the people of Israel came up to her for judgment. They came to settle their uh, disputes. She was a judge. But she was also a, a, a prophetess. And she sent and summoned Barak, the son of Abraham, from Kadesh Naphtali, and said to him. Now, this is, this is a question. Has not the Lord, the God of Israel, commanded you? Now, if I'm reading that correct, correctly... She was saying, listen, Barak, listen, Barak, God has already told you, but you're ignoring it. How many knows that that's common? Huh? How many knows that a lot of times we know what to do? We even know what God says to do. He may have even written it in the sky, but we, we don't do it. And she says, listen. Has not the Lord, the God of Israel, commanded you? He gave you a battle plan. 
Go and gather your men at Mount Tabor, taking 10,000 from the people of Naphtali and the people of Zebulun. Now, 10,000 is a pretty good army. But compared to the enemy, Sisera, that was a small group. And he says, and I will draw out Sisera, the general of Jabin's army, to meet you by the river Kishon with his chariots and his troops, and I will give him into your hand. Now, let me just put that in plain old Oxford English. He says, if you'll do what I tell you to do, you win. That's what he said. God's told you to do that. And Barak said to her, if you will go with me. Well, how brave. Now, you know what Barak's name, the literal translation of his name means lightning. He might have been named lightning, but he moved kind of slow. (laughs) Huh? You know, that's like naming somebody that's five foot four stretch, you know. Or somebody that's six foot eight tiny. Said, if you will go with me, I will go. But if you will not go with me, I'm not going. Now, you think about that. Here's a man went to the woman. The woman said, listen, God's told you what to do. Now, why don't you do it? I will. But you got to go with me. Nevertheless, the road, and she said, I was sure to go with you. Nevertheless, the road on which you're going will not lead to your glory, for the Lord will sell Sisera into a hand of a woman. Now, we think that was Deborah, but she wasn't the one. But he says, this is going to happen. Then Deborah rose and went with Barak to Kadesh. And Barak called up Zebulun the Naphtali to Kadesh. And 10,000 men went up, to his, up at his heels. And Deborah went up there with him. Now Heber the Kenite had separated from the Kenites, the descendants of Hohab the uh, Father, uh, the descendants of Hohab, the father-in-law of Moses, and it pitched his tent as far as the way as the oak and Zanium, which is near Kadesh. When Caesarea was told, Caesarea was told that Barak, the son of Abiram, had gone up to Mount Tabor, Caesarea, 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 yeah, Caesarea, out all of his chariots, 900 chariots of iron, and all the men were with him from Harish Hagium to the river Kishon. And Deborah said to Barak, up! For this is the day in which the Lord has given you Sisera into your hand. Does not the Lord go out before you? In other words, what she said, he said, it's time to charge. She said, okay, I know you're in charge, but you asked me to come. So it's time for you to blow charge. Attack! Go! And so... So Barak went down from Mount Tabor with 10,000 men following him, and the Lord routed Sisera and all his chariots and all his army before Barak by the edge of the sword. And Sisera got down from his chariot and fled on foot, and Barak pursued the chariots and the army to Harish Heglium, and all the army of Sisera fell by the edge of the sword, and not a man was left. Now, this was a military genius that had only fought in one war, one battle, and she wiped out the entire enemy. How many think that's pretty successful? Pretty successful. And she did it. And again, Barak means lightning, but he wasn't quick to act. Just as we never realize the size of the battle someone or ourselves may be going through, with God on our side, we are more than conquerors. I said, I said, with God on our side, we're more than conquerors. They were totally outmanned. They were totally uh, outclassed. Their leaders had been trained in war. 
Deborah sat on her palm tree. But she was obedient to God. We need to understand something. If God is on our side, the Bible says we are what? More than conquerors. More than conquerors. I want us to go look at a guy by the name of uh, one, a prophet that we've already looked at. But I just want to read one thing. In 2 Kings chapter 6 about Elisha. Verse 15 of chapter 6. Then we turned to the man of God. And he and all of his company. And he came and stood before him and he said, Behold, I know that there's no God in all of Israel. And that's the wrong chapter. I know that wasn't making sense. Okay, let's go to chapter 6. I was reading from chapter 5. I'm just seeing if y'all were alert. Okay, let's go back to chapter 6 now. And when the servant of the man of God rose early in the morning and went out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. And the servant said, Alas, my master, what shall we do? The enemy had totally surrounded the city. The enemy had them hostage. And this man woke up and he saw all of the enemy. And some of you today, you're looking around and you see a ton of enemy. You see tons of waves, lots of waves. You see a tsunami coming to wipe you out. And you say, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Let's read on. He said, don't be afraid. Do not be afraid for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, please open his eyes that we may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. We can relate back to Barak. We know that he looked and he saw not just a, he saw all these chariots. He saw this men that were trained, this army, and he said, we can't do it. But Deborah, Deborah had faith that God had said, we're going to win. Now, one thing that I'd like for everyone here to get today, if you get nothing else from this message, I'd like for you to understand something, regardless of how big an obstacle you're facing. Our God is bigger than the obstacle. Amen. Our God is bigger than the obstacle. So I want you to open up your eyes and not just see those people are against you. But look what God has done. Look what the Lord has done. Many of us can go back to our own testimonies and say, look what God has done. There have been times that we're overwhelmed, that the waves were bigger than I was, but all of a sudden we realize that God can speak to those waves and say, peace be still. He can do that. Just as we never realize the size of the battle someone or ourselves may be going through. With God on our side, we are more. We are more than conquerors. Did you catch that when the 
man said, what in the world are we going to do? Elisha, look, all these men here. He said, look a little further. And you'll see that there's more for us than they are against us. And what does God say in the book of Romans? For if God be for us, who can be against us? Oh, but, but look at the army. See, that's where Barak was at. Look at the army. I don't, I don't know about you. Now, I know I'm a little bit of a male chauvinist, but it would have upset me if a woman had to say, buck up. <laughs> huh? Yo, look. Yeah, you in charge. Gird up yourself and do what God told you to do. Step up, Brock, Barrick. You've got this. You've got this. This is the day that the Lord has given Caesarea to you. You've got it. He's in your hands. So can I urge you today? Yeah, you may be going through a battle that you think that you're overwhelmed. And we never again know what somebody else is going through. So we can't be judgmental. We should never be judgmental because we don't know what they're going through. We don't, but we know a God that's bigger than their problem. We know a God that's bigger than problem. Now, to see point three, we've got to go to Deborah's song. Read Deborah's song, and it's in chapter five. It's a long psalm, but I'm just going to read the first verse. Actually, five verses where it says, Then sang Deborah and Barak, the son of Abiam, on that day, that the leaders took the lead in Israel. I was reading that in the first uh, service this morning. I thought, man, we need that today. That the leaders took the lead. Amen. How many thinks our, our, our nation could, could stand some of that? If our leaders would take the lead, if our churches' leaders would take the lead, if our family leaders would take the lead, that the leaders took the lead in Israel and the people offered themselves willingly, bless the Lord. This was her song. This was after the battle was over. Hear, O king, give ear, O princes. To the Lord I will sing, I will make melody to the Lord, the God of Israel. Now notice verse 4. Lord, when you went out from Seir, when you marched from the region of Edom, the earth trembled and the heavens dropped. Now what did the heavens drop? What, do you, what, what would you guess would come down from heaven? Nobody guess? The clouds dropped that help any? What comes from clouds? Anybody awake? The clouds dropped water. The mountains quaked before the Lord, even Sinai before the Lord, the God of Israel. That's not recorded. Josephus wrote a little bit about that. But when we read that, we begin to understand just the nugget of truth is that the way that Barak won the war is because God sent a flood. How did they cross the, what happened to Pharaoh's chariots? They got stuck in the mud, right? What happened to these chariots? They got stuck in the mud. 
And it even indicates, it says, that mountains quake before the Lord. There might have even been some mudslides. They were coming down from the mountain. But whatever it was, God won the battle. Now, the reality is this. I get so fed up with people's prayer requests, mine included. God, I've, I've, I've got it all figured out. I know how you can do it. Ten easy steps, and I'll get what I want. Folks, God doesn't need our direction. I said, God doesn't need our direction. He might be wanting to send a flood that he can destroy the enemy, and we're trying to protect him and help God out. See, when they, how were they able to have such victory? God sent a flood. How'd they cross the Red Sea? They dried up the land, but they got hung up in the mud, remember, and then the waters came and flooded them. I like a scripture in Isaiah. Now, the King James Version gives a little bit clearer. The King James Version says, when the enemy comes in like a flood. But the newer translation said a little bit differently, and I like it. Listen to what it says in, in uh, Isaiah chapter 59, verse 19. So they shall fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun, for he will come like a rushing stream, which the wind of the Lord drives. God will come in like a rushing flood. See, we think the enemy comes in like a rushing flood, but the Bible says that God will raise up a standard against the enemy and he will come in like a flood. And the Redeemer, of course, that's speaking of Jesus Christ, will come in design to those in Jacob who turn from their uh, transgression, declares the Lord. See, I want to tell you something. When the enemy comes at you with all of his army, the chariots are about to run you over. God's Calvary is on the way. God's Calvary is on the way. He's going to send a flood. He's going to raise up a standard. He's going to do something to help you win the war. Well, wait a minute. There's a lot more of them than I am. That's okay. God's bigger than your problem. God's bigger than your problems. When the enemy comes at you with all of his army, and the chariot's about to run over you, God's cavalry is on the way. Now, it appeared to me that... Barak had already been spoken to by God to go take the enemy. Did you notice that when we read that? Deborah said, God has told you, go take the enemy. But how many remembers that saying, behind every successful man is a good wife? That's true, but also a surprise mother-in-law. You know, y'all had it, you know, both of them. Ladies, ladies, thank you for stepping up. I said thank you for stepping up because I think Deborah is a good example. Now, please don't take this wrong. I thank God for women that are in leadership. I thank God for God using women. But I believe one of the biggest issues is that women have to step up. Because a man won't. 
Deborah stepped up. And I think you need to write this down. If you, this is original, at least for me. I don't remember reading it from somewhere. But I can't is usually because I won't. I said, I can't is usually because I won't. Barrick says, I can't. There's 10,000. Barrick, you can win. Okay, but I'm not going unless you go with me. Boy, how many knows if that was his wife, he'd have really been in trouble. Huh? I can't is usually because I won't. Now, we're going to look at the prophet Isaiah a little bit later, not today, but in another message. But I want to go to Isaiah chapter 6, verse 4. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. And I said, this is Isaiah. Isaiah said, woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of the people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the glory of the Lord of hosts. God, I can't do it in my own strength. There's no way. But then the, one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar and he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt has taken away and your sin atoned for. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Then, he, then I said, Here I am. Send me. What was Isaiah saying? He said, God, I'm not capable. I'm not able. And God said, I'm glad to hear you say that. See, that's a major battle. Some of us need to win. We need to reach a place with say, I can't do that. I don't have the strength. I don't have the ability. I don't have the capability. See, God usually doesn't use those people with fancy names and all kind of titles. He uses those people that are available. Isaiah was already a prophet. But when he came into the presence of an almighty God, he said, I'm undone. I'm, 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 I'm not capable of standing in your presence. And God said, I'm glad to hear you say that. Because if you're available, I will make you capable. If you're available, I will make you capable. So as we look at that, what's, what's the four for points? We never know the size of the enemy. We never know the size of the battle we're going to have to fight. But as my dad used to say, it's not the size of the dog in the fight. It's the size of the fight in the dog. Secondly, we must remind ourselves that with God, we are what? More than conquerors. Number three, let's do the possible and let God do the impossible. Number four, we need to realize God uses those that are available 
then he'll make them capable. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Holy Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your word. Thank you for speaking to us from the Old Testament that were written for our examples. And God, I for one can certainly relate to the examples that Deborah had. Minister to these your people. Minister to these your people. God, touch. Move by your spirit and your power. God, we thank you for it. With every head bowed and every eye closed, those of you that are watching online, as I prepare this message, I realize that some of you are going through a battle that within your own strength you feel like you're losing. The enemy is bigger than you are. The problem is overwhelming. The waves are about to engulf you. But can I remind you that greater is he that's within you than he's within the world? Can I pray with you? I don't have to know all the glory details of what you're going through. But with every head bowed and every eye closed today, I, I just want to see by a raise of hand someone that's going through a great battle that I can pray with you for right now. Lift, lift your hand up high so I can see it. There's one, yes, several, many hands. God knows exactly what you're going through, friend. God knows exactly what you're going through, and I want to pray for you right now. I want to pray that God will help you to not just see your problems, but see the solution to your problems and the power of the Almighty God. That God would reveal to you the greatness of our God, the power of our God. We're going to sing this course that they're playing in just a moment, but I want us to pray right now for these people that are going through a battle, that God would minister to them. Lift that burden and let them see that greater is he that is within them than he that is in the world. Father, right now in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior, and yes, our soon coming King, I pray that your mighty power would take away the blinders, that the people would see not only their problems, but they'd see the solution to their problems in God Almighty. It may be something totally out of the way that we would think about. It may be you're going to send a storm and let the enemy's chariot's wheels fall off. We don't know what's going to happen. All we know that you're going to minister. It may be that phone call that they've been waiting to hear from this son or daughter or, or brother or sister. God, that you're going to minister and you're going to do whatever you need to do because you're an awesome God and God that you're going to minister so right now right now let your faith arise let your our faith arise and know that you're able to do all those things and Father we ask you right now we ask you right now God that help us to be as Deborah just be willing to do whatever you ask us to do. To be available. And you'll make us capable.
we'll be like Isaiah. Say, God, I can't do it by myself. But with you, I can do it. With you, I can do it. So, Father, we ask you to minister right now by your power and your strength. We give you praise. We give you honor. We give you glory. On behalf of our pastor and staff here at OAG, we want to say thank you. Thank you for being a part of our ministry. We are grateful for you and the support you give our church and its ministries so that we can continue to do what God has called us to do, to be the family church for the family of God. For more content from Pastor Strickland and Oxford Assembly of God, check out our media website at oag.church/media.